This episode of State of the Nova Nation is sponsored by our friends at Homefield. Introducing our new sponsor, Homefield, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis. Homefield brings you incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. They dig through the archives and history of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments to make thoughtful designs. Homefield launched its Villanova collection last Saturday, and this collection features 14 pieces of apparel, including t-shirts, hoodies, and crewnecks, all with vintage marks. I received my Nova Nation Homefield shirt this past week, and it completely exceeded my expectations. I love the design, the material is super soft, and for all my female Wildcat fans out there, the cut and the style is perfect to wear to a game and casual enough to wear to cheer on the cats. To explore the full collection, be sure to use the promo code VUHOOPS at checkout. That's VUHOOPS, all one word, all capital, for a discount on homefieldapparel.com to get all the apparel you need for March. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the State of the Nova Nation podcast from VU Hoops. I'm Emma Hoven. He's Pat Zhang. And people, it is here. It seems like I repeat myself every single week, but that's because Nova keeps advancing. Our final four preview episode is now live. Thank you so much to everyone who's tuning in. Pat, we have an extremely special episode today. We are so excited about, excited about it. Pat and I will be doing our own Kansas preview, more of the nitty gritty number stuff that we like to do. And then in just a little bit, we will be bringing on for the second time this season, mm. Villanova legend, Alan Ray. He's at a Ray for three on Twitter. If you're not following him on Twitter, you absolutely what must. What are you doing? Yeah, what are you moment. doing if you're not exactly. following him? Come on now. We're so excited. This is it. We are just days away now. Pat, you mentioned last Tuesday that you just couldn't get through this week. How are you doing? Is it going by a little quicker now? Thank God it's going to be Thursday when this thing launches. We are getting so close to Saturday. I, the nerves are starting to kick in, and we are a couple of days before yeah. before tip-off. But, hey, if you've got some butterflies, if you've got some nerves, it just means what you're looking at matters, and a Final Four sure as hell matters. So I am so excited. We are almost there. To anyone listening to us for the first time, welcome. To anyone coming back who has listened to us all year, thank you for all your support. Guys, we're here. Nova Nation, we are here. There is a Final Four on Saturday and your Villanova Wildcats are playing in it. I kept pinching myself doing this research because you dream about this. Obviously, you hope you see the talent on Villanova's rosters and you think that it could be a possibility and you see all these really high caliber teams fall in the tournament and Villanova continued to win. And now they're here and they're playing the only remaining one seed in the tournament. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to talk to you about this and then to talk to Allen too about how underrated Kansas actually is and how underrated the Kansas Villanova matchup is. I'm actually going to take it that far because it has been so overshadowed by the Duke UNC matchup for obvious reasons because of the storylines, but Oh my God, if you are expecting this game to be anything short of unreal, (laughs) I think you're going to be in for a, uh, a rude awakening. I think we've all had enough of the little Coach K storyline, so uh, I'm good focusing on a little Kansas (laughs) and and Villanova. First off, if you need any more reason to get hype and get ready, 
for this game on Saturday, make sure to check out Sean Donovan's final four hype video on YouTube. Sean, the best thing ever. uh, Sean has done so many great videos uh, over the years with Villanova, put out another one for this final four, go check it out because he just does a great job. And and what you said about this Kansas Villanova matchup, you know, it's not just the matchup that's happening right now. There is history between these teams and recent history, especially. I mean, these teams met most recently in 2020. Kansas was ranked number one at the time. Villanova, of course, took them down at the Wells Fargo Center with a young Emma Houghton and Pat Sang on student radio, mind you, for that game. Uh, in 2019, Kansas and Villanova played at Allen Fieldhouse, where Kansas won by three. Of course, 18 and 16, these programs met in the NCAA tournament in the Elite Eight and Final Four. It's a matchup that has you know been happening semi-frequently, and so th- there is some history, of course, with Jay Wright and Bill Self. It's pretty cool. And here we go again with a Final Four matchup between two. Yeah, I'm going to say it. Blue Bloods. I brought you back. I bought you on the train. I think Good. people are slowly starting to come along. You were actually on it. The whole I time. was. Yeah, I was. But people are slowly starting to catch on to that. The coaching matchup is just epic. You're right about the history. That was one of my top five moment, Villanova moments, actually, doing that call. That can't yeah, that was pretty cool. The Jermaine shot. Oh, my God. That was that was absolutely epic. Yeah, there, there's no shortage of storylines. It really is a shame that this is the early game, not, not for the people who have to work on Sunday or who don't want to stay up till 2 a.m., which is what's <laughs> going to happen anyway. But everything is going to be on that game. And I think Kansas Villanova deserves more credit, but that's what you're here for. That's why you're listening to us. So we've got you covered. We're going to do a whole breakdown on Kansas. And then, like we said, with Alan, we're going to focus more on Villanova specific game planning methods, that whole, that whole thing. So let's, let's dive into Kansas. 32 and six is their overall record. They Mm -hmm. were the big 12 champions They've obviously, I, I'm curious to talk to you about this. Their road to the final four, they beat 16 seed Texas Southern pretty handily. Yep. They beat number nine Creighton. Again, that was a Creighton without Ryan Emhard and Ryan Kalkbrenner. They only won by a seven. They beat another Big East foe, number four Providence, 66 to 61. That was the game Pat and I mentioned on Tuesday. One of the worst halves of basketball <laughs> we've ever seen. <laughs> the Friars kept it close. And then... The insane game was their win in the Elite Eight over 10-seed Miami. Mm -hmm. 76 to 50 was the final score. Sure. If you're looking at that on paper, feels a little bit different than the fact that Kansas outscored Miami 47 to 15 in the second half. So there are a few different versions of Kansas we're going to talk about. I overall think that they had the easiest path to the final four of any team remaining. Ooh. Of Duke, UNC, and Nova, yes, I would say they did have the easiest path with it, but I don't want to take anything away from them in it. Creighton, we know, is a difficult matchup. Providence, of course, can can cause their issues, and Miami was on a really hot run, and heck, that game was tied at 40 in the second half. You know, Miami went into half with a lead, and then, as you said, Kansas ended the game after it was tied at 40 on a 36-10 run. To, to put them away. So yes, they most certainly in my mind, it sounds like in your mind too, had the easiest road just c- comparatively to some other teams, but the second half Kansas that we saw against Miami is the real Kansas. They are that good. And, and I'm sure we're about to talk about that. Yeah. I mentioned a four headed monster of Villanova, that, that type of beast that Villanova has turned into 
Kansas takes that to the next level because yeah. <laughs> they've got six really, really high quality players. They only play seven guys. They have a Purdue like big man rotation between David McCormick and Mitch Lightfoot mm-hmm. a duo that we will be talking about a lot, probably with Allen as well. But this is this is becoming guard you the guards that they filter in and out of Kansas, the coaching job that Bill Self has done in a year that many are saying is Bill Self's single greatest coaching year because of how far he took this team with. And I don't I really don't think people mean this as a knock. It's just how good the university is a relatively low talent year and still bringing this team to the final four because compared to some of the talent that has been on Kansas in the last decade that has just blown the roof off the rest of college basketball. But these guys show up, the Christian Bronze, the Ochai Abajis, who will be an All-American, who's in the race for uh, National Player of the Year. Remy Martin, another Mm -hmm. guy we'll be talking a lot about. There's just a lot of heads on this beast. Yeah, and it's so interesting, too, because, you know, you talk about talent and talk about uh, about guards. I think this team is incredibly talented, and I don't – and the guards aren't the most important part of this iteration of Kansas. It's all about the wings, which I have uh, a lot more to talk about in a second here. But, you know, starting with, with kind of a team breakdown, I, I always like to do it. I know you like it, too, kind of go through some Ken Palm numbers for them. Uh, offensively, they're seventh. Defensively, they're 18th, so very, very balanced there. Of course, will be a talking point that their average tempo is 61st in the country, so they do like to run a little bit. And overall, balance is kind of the key for them. They can hurt you from deep. They mostly live from two. They have a lot of athleticism, and they shoot it really, really well. This is a, a very, very talented Kansas team. It's a healthier Kansas team than Villanova, of course, with Justin Moore being out there. And it poses a, a really difficult matchup here, even though there are plenty of similarities between these two teams your biggest difference is going to really come between that tempo yeah that's a really good point and i think this would have been a different matchup just to level set here a difficult matchup with justin moore oh yeah for sure let's keep that perspective too this is a really good team despite the lack of press that this team is getting again they are a one seed yeah it's not people are not paying any attention to them Balance is also something I wanted to talk about. If you look at the leading score of this team over the course of their season, you see a different name almost every single game. Mm-hmm. They're, of course, led by Abaji, but you see David McCormick in there. You see Jalen Wilson in there, really high-impact freshman. You see Abaji, of course. They, they just have options. And what has sparked their recent, I was going to say domination. I don't think by the numbers you can call it that but they're really starting to hit that offensive groove. And it's been because of Remy Martin, who by all accounts is fully healthy for the first time this year, because Mm -hmm. when he transferred from Arizona state, we saw him, it was 2020, right? When no one played Arizona state. Yes, it was that bubble game. Mohegan sun. Yeah. Bubble game at Mohegan sun. Remy Martin entered the transfer portal, went to Kansas. Everyone thought he would explode. I think he was up for preseason all American preseason Naismith watch lists. And he just could not stay healthy to save his life. He was, people were considering him a bust and Bill Self shut him down. He's back now. And now he's close to averaging 20 points per game in the NCAA tournament when it matters most. So that's been huge, especially since Abaji has been in a cold stretch. 
Yeah, Remy Martin's going to be a key in this game, both offensively and defensively. I'm excited to talk about kind of the defensive portion for how it affects Kansas. But offensively, he did not have the best game against Miami, but otherwise Creighton and Providence, he scored over 20. He's really started to heat up. What he does very, very well is he has an ability to create his own shot with kind of his quickness around the perimeter, which of course is really important. He also does have really nice off-ball movement when he's not handling the ball. I say familiar foe because, as you said, Villanova did play Arizona State in 2020 at Mohegan Sun. Interestingly enough, in that game, Remy Martin had his lowest scoring output of the entire season in 2020 with just five points in that game. So I wonder if Villanova will be able to recreate anything like that. Now, of course, the makeup of Kansas is a little different. Than Arizona State's, there's a lot more options here for Kansas than that uh, Sun Devil team did. But, you know, it, it is something to note that Jay Wright was able to contain him the first time. Of course, things are different almost two years later, but there is some history there as well. Love that. Dude, we need some some replication here. Let's do it. I'd take it. Um, yeah, I think he is the hardest person on Kansas to guard. And I truly mean that because Ooh, he can pull up from any single point on the court and, and consider that a good shot for him. And as pure as Obaji is, as easily as he can get to the rim and dominate his defender, he cannot pull up and shoot like Remy Martin can. And I think it makes it really tough, especially without arguably Villanova's best defender, Justin Moore, being down. It's going to be a tough assignment for the guards to have to match up and keep up with Remy Martin because that's the other thing. He's quick. Yes, he's really very. good at ball handling. He doesn't turn the ball over. He can do a lot of different things. And tempo, speed, versatility, athleticism, that has not been Villanova's forte defensively, no. you could say the least. <laughs> no, it's a big foil for Villanova's guards. You know, Villanova's guards are bigger, are a little slower. They play more methodical with it. And that, that is not how Remy Martin does. So Villanova is certainly going to be hurt here because I have a feeling you might have seen Justin Moore guarding him uh, to yeah. move Gillespie off of him. Now I'm very intrigued to see how things work out. They could, of course, put Caleb Daniels on him because you would assume that Caleb will be a starter. But that defensive assignment is going to be really important and really key. So certainly something I'll keep my eyes on with Remy Martin. And I do think he has the ability to, to play a really big role here. You bring up Abaji and you just have to bring up Ochai Abaji when you talk about Kansas, of course, you know, All-American. Such an interesting tournament for him. You know, he he didn't or hasn't really turned it on so far in this tournament, especially from three, just three of 14 um, for, in this uh, in, for over the last couple games. But against Miami, especially in the second half, he really, really heated up. And you saw how, how difficult he is to guard. He's a blend of speed and athleticism. He certainly can shoot it from three. It just hasn't happened for him so far in this tournament. Looking at Obaji for the season, averaging 19 points, five boards per game and shooting at 40% from beyond the arc. So the man is incredibly lethal from basically everywhere on the floor. That's the matchup that I'm incredibly interested in watching. And I have a feeling Brandon Slater is going to draw that, uh, that assignment. Yes. Yeah, so funnily enough, when um, I think one of Jay's key quotes from the uh, elite eight, I mean, yeah, elite eight press conference was, as good as Justin is off the court, we'll of course miss him on the court. He's become one of the team's best defenders. And I immediately thought of Abaji. Yeah. Because that's that's where my mind went. Your mind immediately went to Remy Martin. You thought more would draw him. Uh yes, I did. Yeah. It's it's a toss-up. 
Obaji's got the size, so that makes me think Slater will draw him at this point. It's kind of a moot point anyway. But it is. Caleb's <laughs> going to draw a really tough assignment trying to keep up with Martin, and Slater's going to draw a really tough assignment trying to out-physical Abaji. When he went off in the second half against Miami, I was relieved because he needed to get that type of performance out of his system before he faced Villanova. People are still expecting him to rebound and have that big game that we know he can have, but we haven't seen yet. And I just hope that Villanova can game plan to the point where they eliminate him. Kansas is a really tough opponent. Just eliminating him does not mean Kansas is going to lose. There are so many other aspects. I'm really excited to talk about the bigs, but you're right. It's going to be really difficult to lock down Abaji and, and, and stay in this game. Yeah. And there's no guarantee Slater gets put on him. And, and why yeah. I say that is because that loss of Justin Moore, that's exactly what I'm thinking of. defensively. Kansas is such a difficult matchup for Villanova because Kansas plays really big, really long on the wing. They are not just, they are not a team that plays with a bunch of guards. They're not a team that just plays straight forward. They will hurt you with their wings and Christian Brown and, and Jalen Wilson to go with Ochai Obaji. So there's not a perfect substitution for how Villanova is going to have to do this uh, guarding wise, which means that some of the bigger players like your Slater may have to stay on the wings, like a Christian Brown or a Jalen Wilson allowing for other opportunities. And it might be Caleb Daniels on Oche Obashi. So basically all of that going into saying this Kansas team with Justin Moore going down, it matching up with them is a lot more difficult just because of the kind of multitude of options they have to pick from. Yeah, your first thought goes to what Villanova will be missing on the offensive side of the ball with Justin Moore being yeah, out. But it truly is but defense. It's, yeah. it's truly defense, and that's becoming more and more clear when you look at this matchup. I wonder how many defensive alignments Jay, White, Jay Wright will use if potentially that three-quarter court press will come into play, especially with Antoine getting more minutes, if that zone will come into play because Kansas is a really good transition team. They are going to try and push the pace because they, of course, they will know how good Villanova can be when it sets its defense. That's what they're going to try to exploit. And that's why I wonder if Villanova will pack the pain a little bit, let those wings shoot because yes, they can, but I'm also very much willing to let Ochai Abaji take a shot from three as opposed to get beat on a screen Mm. and let him drive all the way to the rim. Yeah, I see we are really on the same wavelength for this uh, this episode, <laughs> talking through transition. So yeah, transition yep. here for Kansas. It is always important for Villanova to try and kind of put their stamp on a game, dictate tempo and such. There is no game that it has been more important or will be more important this year than this game. And it is because with that Justin Moore injury, I know it's coming up a lot here right now. It's because it's impossible to, to look away from it. But Kansas likes to run. Uh, we, we just went through it with their Ken Palm numbers. They're very dangerous in transition. They like fast break points. That is something that they do very, very well. They are going to look to do that even more so, understanding that Jay is, of course, going to want to play five guys. That That's what it is going to be. The, you know the five that are going to be out there. Yes, I think Chris Archidiacono is going to play a little bit. Yes, I think Brian Antoine is going to play a little bit. But this game is going to be won and lost on the shoulders of the five guys who, as I said, you already know who they are. So it really plays into Kansas's benefit to try and turn this into a track meet whenever they can, because Gillespie, because Samuels, because Slater, 
they're going to have to be out there for so long. So it is just, it's better for them to try and run Nova ragged to try and run these guys down so they can take advantage and pull away at the end. And the reason why they're in such an advantageous position is because they have that big substitution. Mm -hmm. Any second David McCormick gets fatigued, Mitch Lightfoot goes in and it gives them such a different combination of sets. Villanova, unfortunately, does not have that advantage. They no. didn't have that advantage even with Justin Moore. They will no. be relying on the conditioning and the uh, fit, baby. <laughs> the, the fit of their starters, 100%. Yeah. I, I, it's starting and closing is one of the biggest parts of this game. How gassed are these starters going to be? That's why starting out early is something that Villanova needs to do, and it's something that Kansas hasn't been able to do. So hopefully that's a weakness the Cats can exploit. But yeah, you are so right. Living and dying by the starters. You thought it was bad at the beginning of the year. It's about to get a whole lot worse. You ain't seen nothing like it. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to see on Saturday. And so going into the Nova's offensive game plan here, of course, we know Villanova plays slow. I have a feeling we are going to say, see them play as slow as ever. And at oh, it's going to be painful. Yeah. yeah. At, at times, I, it's something that has come up in conversation with my father when we've discussed this, where Villanova is so set on running that shot clock down that sometimes they don't get off the best shot because they are trying to run the clock down so much. They have to really guard against being put in that situation too much because I truly believe that Villanova is going to look to take their shots with around five seconds or under in the shot clock on most opportunities unless, unless a great shot opens up beforehand because it is completely in Nova's best interest to have as few possessions as possible in this game. They want to try to take the air out of this. They want to try and limit the tempo so much. And it really is so key with how Villanova has to play shorthanded here. Of course, though, I would there would be no player in the country I'd rather have the ball in his hands and Colin Gillespie trying to do that. So Villanova most certainly has an opportunity to be able to stamp it. It's just how much into the game are they going to be able to be? Yeah, the one, ca- the one caveat to Kansas being so good in transition is they're able to force turnovers really yeah. well. and that's not the something Nova does much. <laughs> exactly. Villanova doesn't turn the ball over, so that's really good. Another thing I'll be looking out for, and another reason why Kansas can absolutely not be given extra possessions, Villanova has to win the rebounding battle Ooh, because that's another tough part ask, of this. Tough ask. It's a tough ask against bigs like Lightfoot and McCormick. But if they can win the rebounding battle, or maybe maybe winning is too strong. If they can mm-hmm. keep up, if they can get a couple offensive rebounds and get those extra chance points, then you allow your defense to get set. You allow your starters who will be playing, and I kid you not, 37-plus minutes. I expect 37-plus minutes for four out of the five guys. Honestly, I don't see another option. You allow them an extra three or four seconds to get set on defense as opposed to Kansas getting the rebound off of a short shot, mm-hmm. probably chucked up at the last seconds of the shot clock and just running the court because that is what they will be trying to do. They will be trying to run. They will be trying to catch Eric Dixon off guard so that he fouls and he's sent to the bench. Yeah, no, it's true. Cause of course Villanova does not have that perfect substitution, you know, for, for Eric Dixon to be able to go in there. What I'm going to watch too, from Kansas on an offensive standpoint, when things are slowed down and they do have to get into the half court, you know, do they try and spread Villanova out to let mm. McCormick say, go to work underneath the basket? Because part of Villanova's strength is that their wings are such good rebounders and Slater and Samuels. We know the damage that they can do around the basket, you know, with kind of Christian Brown and Jalen Wilson's ability to, to step on the outside, use that athleticism, get to the basket and in Brown's um, 
you know, uh, skill set he can hit more threes than Wilson do they try and pull Slater and Samuels away from the basket and really isolate Dixon and McCormick to go at it underneath I think that's a big matchup that I'm going to be watching and a potential for Bill Self here because as we said Villanova you know they do have to play shorthanded there there's no reason that they can't overcome that but these all these different chess pieces that uh, that could certainly move around yeah excuse me this reminds me of our Cooley conversation Mm. why didn't Nate Watson go to work in the paint against Eric Dixon? Yeah. We still can't answer that question. Right. And I think absolutely this will be David McCormick versus Eric Dixon. That was my thought from the, from the outset. David McCormick is one of the most confusing players. (laughs) (laughs) It is unbelievable how streaky this guy is. He led the team in points against Miami other times he'll no show and he won't be a presence on the board. I think knowing how undersized Villanova is, how much they lack depth, it will be on McCormick to go after Dixon to get those offensive rebounds to then kick out to the Wilsons, Abajis, Browns, and have Browns and have mm-hmm. them hit those shots. I think they will. I think they will try to be physically imposing. And again, if they can get Eric Dixon in foul trouble it's almost game over at that point. I think that's what they'll be looking for because as good as Samuels and Daniels can be against a five, you then don't have the more to guard the Brown or the Wilson. You know what I mean? So sure, Villanova's, sure. Villanova's at a disadvantage because they're down one of those players. I I think yeah, I might eat my words on this one, but I think Villanova is going to do a really good job at taking McCormick out of the game. I, I don't I think hope so. Yeah, if Kansas wins this game, I do not think it will be because of McCormick. I think it will really? be. I think it'll be because of the wings. Yeah. Villanova's done a really nice job at not allowing bigs to be as effective as they should be against them. Just go back to your, you know, Sonogo in the, um, in the big East tournament, Hunter Dickinson, the, the Houston guys, Villanova's interior defense has been much improved and has really, it hasn't allowed big men to completely dictate things. We've seen it at times, of course, you know, think of Adama Sonogo in the second UConn game where he torched Villanova. Think of Ryan Kalkbrenner in the big East tournament. It's not a sure thing, but Nova's had enough of an establishment at this point that I don't think McCormick's going to be the one that kills them. This is going to be coming down to the wings in my mind. Yeah. You also just don't see McCormick being that much of a game changer that often. He's a good player. He's a very good player, but uh, I just, I think it's going to come from elsewhere. Oh, I don't know. I, you are right statistically in that Villanova has done a good job against the big guys, but I think it's been more because of their perimeter defense. And mm-hmm. we had this almost same exact conversation on Tuesday. Yeah, very similar. I wouldn't be upset if McCormick goes off for 15 points and they instead do a really good job on Martin Abaji and Brown. I'll take that trade off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Fine. Pin me down. Sounds good no, to I me. Just, I think that perimeter defense is so, so important. That being said, if Villanova wins, I think it's going to be the Eric Dixon game. I think he is for the first time in this tournament going to explode on offense. I Man, you just foreshadowed my question, my answer to a question we got later um, today. Oh, so I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. And we'll, we'll leave it there. I'll, I'll get back to it. But I, I do want to look at Kansas defensively, too, and how Villanova is going to try to match up there. So while we've discussed a lot about how Kansas is going to present some, some difficult matchup opportunities for Nova, Colin Gillespie gives Kansas a very brutal matchup uh, here to to guard against. And it's not the perimeter shooting that I'm focusing on. It's how they're going to guard Colin Gillespie once he really starts to get into the paint and into the post, which is something that I think you're going to see a decent amount from Gillespie 
if they go about it with this. Usually Kansas plays at guard with Dewan Harris or Remy Martin. Both of them are small. I believe Harris clocks in around six foot. Martin's about the same thing, maybe six one. Gillespie is taller and is thicker than them. So, and we know about the, the post prowess that he can have. The question is, do they stick with that and let Gillespie, you know, try and go into the post and, and really work from down there? Or do they go to say putting a, a guy like Christian Brown and rotate him with his more length and athleticism to try to guard with Gillespie. Can that open up some potential offense for say a Caleb Daniels or so that's the big matchup on offense that I want to watch. I think you're going to see Colin Gillespie live in the paint a ton and then try and run off some screens being set from bigs kind of around the elbow. See if we can get him at the three point line and, and drill some from out there. Yeah. Love that question. If you're immediately thinking how come Colin Gillespie is going to drive in the paint, if David McCormick or Mitch Lightfoot is sitting there waiting for him, do yourself a favor and go watch some Colin Gillespie post highlights. Yeah, you, will, uh, you will really enjoy that. Which one do you think it's going to be? Because I have my answer. <laughs> you I, think it's going to be the, the Browns or the, the more point guard? I think they're going to try it at guard first. Cause why not? Because that just fits <laughs> in for a better balance from your defense. And if Gillespie starts torching them, you're going to see Brown switch. Yeah, I agree. The thing then is then you have a pretty severe matchup. If it's Dewan Harris on Caleb Daniels. Yes. And, and you would hope Daniels would exploit the hell out of that. And that is that is Villanova's advantage is it's going to yeah. come. It's going to come from Gillespie and Daniels. That is where this game they're going to really have to try to generate some points from. It's those two because of how they can try and, and reconfigure Kansas on defense. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I actually besides the defensive outlook, besides the plain scoring output. Moore's absence also makes it harder on Gillespie objectively because when he drives and kicks, there's one less quality shooter on the perimeter that can knock down a shot. Now mm-hmm. you have potentially an archer and Antoine on the wing, and you would much rather have more in that case. But I really like your perspective of you being so optimistic. I, I really like Thank that. You. I think Villanova either gets the easy matchup and Gillespie can just take Harris to the rim or Kansas tries to the game plan to eliminate Colin, which we've seen time and time and time again, <laughs> and you get the unlucky, unlikely hero isn't even fair at this point, but then that allows Samuels, Daniels, or hopefully Slater, who I know we'll talk about in a yes. little bit to step up and try to exploit some of those mismatches. Because again, we, we've talked a lot about how physical and dominant Kansas can be. I don't think purely size wise, they have anything crazy on Samuels, Daniels, or Slater. No, it's more matchup wise, just with the guys they can throw out there with the, you know, the Abajis, the Browns, the Wilsons. It's, it's not that there is a clear advantage or so it's more that they match up really nicely against each other on both sides. They're, they're they're very similar. They're very talented on offense. Very, very talented on offense and defensively too, to be fair. I mean, especially looking at their perimeter D they hold teams to 30% shooting from three, which is good for top 20 in the country. It's the same percentage as Villanova holds teams shooting from three. So Kansas can hurt you defensively. They can. I I know we're, we're focusing more on the offensive side of the ball, but with their length, especially from those wings and the ability for them to stretch the floor, it's going to be difficult to generate three point shots. I think Villanova has shown that they can hit their three point shots, uh, especially in this tournament, not as much against Houston, but nothing went in against Houston or or Houston would say nothing went in against Villanova (laughs) as well in that game. I still think Nova's going to shoot a decent amount of threes because, you know, shoot them up, sleep in the streets. And, uh, and that's going to be a huge part of the game plan. 
yeah, they will absolutely try to set the pace and get ahead by shooting threes. But I also think there is no harm in pushing David McCormick and seeing how he does and trying to go to Dixon down low, trying to go to Samuels, trying to get Gillespie to exploit that mismatch and see what happens, at least until it doesn't work. Two thoughts of mind on McCormick. Either A, he's going to stay on Eric Dixon and then prop bet Eric Dixon attempts two threes in this game. <laughs> oh, it's got to be higher than that. To try to yeah. try and stretch it a little bit. Or B, they go to and put him on Slater because knowing that Slater mm. has, has really struggled scoring-wise of late and thinking that maybe they can hide McCormick a little bit. And I, then I want to see Slater try and use some athleticism, get to the hoop. We know he's going to go left, but he's got the quickness and the strength to be able to get there. Those are two matchups too. McCormick's going to be a big key. Yes, of course, he's the you know big presence down low, but I think Villanova can manipulate enough to, to get him into some uncomfortable yeah. position because the rest of Kansas is going to be very difficult to get into mismatches. This is not your normal team where Jay is going to be able to just play matchup most of the time, which Villanova does really, really well. But McCormick is most certainly, and Lightfoot, if he's in for him, are certainly two guys that Nova can try and get onto islands and see how they could work from there. Yeah, I know Lightfoot was dealing with a knee injury, but I mm. think he's healthy. He's been getting decent minutes in all the tournament games. I would absolutely love if McCormick played on Slater for two reasons. Slater needs to have a good game. And oh my God, the screens you could work if McCormick doesn't pop off, which he is not capable of. Doing. So that could also be something that Ned Villanova works at the beginning. It might only last until the under 16 minute mark, but maybe we'll get out to a 10 nothing lead and it won't matter. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, and then I, I've got two more points. I don't know where you're okay. looking at. Yeah, yeah, you can go ahead. Okay, cool. So two things this can come down to. Just looking at Kansas, all of their losses this season, or I shouldn't say all of their losses, four of their six losses this season came to top 40 Ken Palm defenses. Uh, if you remove Dayton from that list, it's all from top 20. Um mm. Ken Palm defenses other than Kentucky, who was like 70 in there. That's why they lost to St. Peter's Villanova clocks in at number 17 in Ken Palm defensive efficiency. So some of the better defensive teams in the country have found ways to limit Kansas Villanova. This run has been built on defense. I don't see why it won't, it wouldn't be the main factor if the cats are able to come out with a win on Saturday as well. And the final thing, Oh, that point that comes up every single episode with us, a little thing called free throw shooting. In this tournament, Villanova is shooting 90% from the foul line. Of course, about 83% for the season. In this tournament, Kansas is shooting 67%. Oh, watch out. Love that. And so- yeah, slowly but surely, Villanova's free throw shooting prowess is becoming less and less underrated, which I really hate. Yeah, because you're seeing it everywhere now. People finally <laughs> yeah. caught on. <laughs> People finally caught on. Yeah, I love the defense point. I think Villanova has the ability to limit Kansas on offense like they have for every single team they face. Kansas has not been its peak self against any team they face except maybe 16-seed Texas Southern. During their other losses this season, during the regular season, they did not have this version of Remy Martin, and I think that's a big deal. That being said... I'm actually looking towards the offense for Villanova more so than the defense in this game, because unlike Houston, maybe Michigan was kind of in the middle. 70 points might be necessary. I kind of alluded to this on Tuesday too. You didn't have to have a great offensive performance to beat Houston because that's just not who Houston is. Kansas can put some shots up on the board. If Villanova limits them to 
I think 60 was their highest output in the last bunch of games. You gave that stat out on Tuesday, right, Pat? Yeah, I did. The, the offense hasn't exactly been firing for Villanova yeah. over the last couple games, um, but it's uh, they scored 63 uh, against Michigan, and then defensively the most they've allowed is 65 against St. John's in the uh, quarterfinal of the Big East tournament. If Villanova limits Kansas to 65 points, that will be miraculous. Yeah. Miraculous. It's if they can score more than 65 points is a bigger mm-hmm. issue for without, me right Without now. Justin Moore? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So do you, do you have a prediction for Saturday night to, to wrap this up and go into an interview? I'm going to do something crazy. Okay. I, I think Villanova can do it. Ooh. Are you going to be crazy with me? I mean... <laughs> Let's oh, look at Pat. let's look at it this way. Villanova's 20 and three in the NCAA tournament since 2016. Mm. They're nine and zero in March and they've won 14 of 15 since the, since the beginning of February. Villanova finds a way to win this game on Saturday night and they win 70 to 66. I hope you're ready to run through a freaking wall people because I am hyped up. Pat and I both have Villanova winning was not expecting that to be honest with you. <laughs> and honestly, we spent far too long talking about everything else. Colin Gillespie will win this game for Villanova. That's what it's come down to because we talked about it on Tuesday. Get ready for that under three-minute Colin Gillespie dagger sealing the win for Villanova. Watch out for uh, a guy named Jermaine Samuels as well is playing the best <sighs> basketball we've seen him. So I, I, I just – what Nova's on right now, I, I can't bet against them. They, they I love it. I, find I ways feel to the exact same out. way. They have the best coach in the country. And they've had a week to devise this game plan. Um, I'm, I'm ready. And they'll be doing it for Justin Moore. They Absolutely. will be doing it for Justin Moore. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I and it's it to be Saturday. I know. And it's interesting because, listen, most of the country's got Kansas. The Athletic put out their picks, and only three riders picked Villanova. Of course, one of them is Dana O'Neill because, of course, Dana always supporting, the, always supporting the program. Yeah. But I think some people have certainly written off Villanova with this Justin Moore injury. Uh, I don't think it's that simple. We'll, we'll put it that I don't way. Either. Kansas is, in, is incredibly talented, incredibly athletic, just a great basketball team. But I, I think Nova, just with, with how they're playing right now, they have an ability to, to slow them down. I feel the same way. What wins in the tournament? Uh, defense and free throw shooting. <laughs> and experience and a good coach. Yeah. There you go. There we go. We'll just throw <laughs> everything out there. <laughs> <laughs> and Kyle Gillespie played it simple. Perfect. Oh, that's awesome. All right, so it is finally here. We are going to transition to our Alan Ray interview right now, and I think both of us will have our fingers crossed that he will also pick Villanova for their prediction. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. But before we get to Alan's interview, we do have some exciting news from our sponsors at 19.9. 19.9 creates original designs tailored to the nostalgia of epic moments in college basketball history. They celebrate the eras, players, coaches, and the rivalries that make college basketball the sport we love. And speaking of rivalries, check out the apparel collection from 19.9 of Villanova University and the University of Connecticut. 19.9 restocked your favorite apparel and added some new vintage items to so go to 19.9.com. That's numbers 19 and the word nine, all one word.com to grab the nostalgic gear you need. All right. So the anticipation is finally over. Alan Ray is here for the second time this season on the State of the Nova Nation podcast, the Villanova legend from 2002 to 2006. Alan, how you doing? It's a big week. You've you've made your rounds, as Pat and I were talking about before we started recording. You got your Nova gear on in the in the Zoom room here. Talk us through your emotions through this week. 
Um, I'm feeling good right now. I'm feeling happy, feeling anxious, feeling nervous. Like I'm, I'm going through every emotion right now, but I'm definitely excited and happy for the guys, for the team, um, for the fan base, for everybody. It's just, it's just a great, it's been a great run so far. Yeah. It yeah. Really has been. J- just your typical villain of a week, all the different emotions we all experienced throughout it. Oh <laughs> man. I'm, I'm so excited. To just get to Saturday. <laughs> All right. So before we even start, uh, as we mentioned, when Pat and I were started off here, we're going to talk to Alan about the fun stuff, specific game planning, Bill Self versus Jay Wright. But as Pat and I were recording again, it's Monday night around seven o'clock. The news just broke that Shaheen Holloway is, in fact, returning to Seton Hall. Six year deal to be their new head coach. Alan, you got any initial thoughts there? Wow, I didn't know it was six years, but yeah. that's a that's a pretty long time. It's I think he deserves it. Yeah, yeah. He um he he really showed out in the in the tournament. Got St. Peter's a team that nobody expected to do what they did. I mean, he had those guys playing unbelievable. Um, that was one of the best Cinderella teams I've ever seen. Um, they took them when they I I for sure thought they was gonna lose to Purdue. I was like, there's mm-hmm. no way they'd be in Purdue. And I'm flipping back and forth between the games, and I see them in the game with Purdue. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. But that was just, that was just great. I'm happy for St. Peter's, and um, I'm happy for Shucky Holloway also. Yeah. I said it, said it on Tuesday. I'm excited. Pat told me I was going to eat my words, but I am excited for Shaheen Holloway. By, by eat your words, I mean be careful what you wish for because he could turn Seton <laughs> yeah. Hall into – he could elevate yeah. them. Of course, Willard's done a nice job, but no, Shaheen Holloway to the Big East, a big get. Same with Sean Miller to Xavier. That, that's two big-time hires for the conference. That's yeah, true. Shaheen Holloway looks uh, – he looks pretty intense too. He, he yes. was intense on the, on the sideline. Yeah. Just another nice. character to add to this conference's yeah. long lineage of, of big personalities for coaching, which is just, it's awesome. It's going to be cool. Yeah. Dana and Neil's going to have to add another chapter to her book, which I'm <laughs> sure nobody yes. would complain about. Exactly. Nobody would complain about that. <laughs> All right. So now that we got that out there, let's, let's go into Villanova. I think Alan is probably only right to start with Justin Moore. Mm-hmm. From from your experience dealing with injuries, with your teammate dealing with injuries, being on the biggest stage, mentally, how much do you think Moore's absence will play into the, the minds of the guys that will be on the floor on Saturday night? Um, I think it will play a big um, role, you know, and not just in a negative way, I think in a positive way, as in these guys are going to miss him. He's hurt. He can't participate with them. So I think the guy's going to have a little bit of extra motivation to want to come out and uh, and get a win for him. Because when Curtis went down in the tournament, it was kind of the same thing for us. You know, we definitely were devastated because Curtis was a big part of what we did on offense and defense. But at the same time, we were so motivated to, like, win games and just, like, march, march on as far as we could just for him. You know, just yeah. just because he couldn't be there. Yeah, yeah, that's a really cool sentiment. And I think you saw it as soon as the Houston game ended with Colin and all those guys going over to Justin. It's of course he means everything to this team. So and Jay even said it this week. I believe the quote was that he that injury made a close team closer, which I, I think can only yes, of course it's a big negative that Justin Moore is not going to be on the floor on Saturday. But uh, you know, at, mentally as a team, I think they can rally around him. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, um, that quote by Coach Wright um, sums, up, sums it up right there. You know, it just brought a close team closer, and that's how I really feel about it. Yeah, and, and you know, with, with Justin being out, much is being made about a potential increase in role for, say, like a Brian Antoine this weekend. 
how difficult is it for a player who, who really hasn't played ex- extended minutes to just kind of be thrust into a bigger role? I mean, you got to look at it like, you know, he has nothing to lose. Like yeah. somebody just, just is out, you know, now he has the opportunity to play and he's going to get the minutes because we need him to play. So it's just like, just go out there and play, you know, don't worry about trying to, trying to be a hero, just go play, be solid on the court. And one thing I like to do, and I know coaches telling them, once you, you got to get yourself going on defense and that usually gets you comfortable on the offensive end, on the offensive end. Like right now, it's more important to uh, be defensively sound in the game. Don't be a liability. And then that way he can ease his way into the game offensively. But we need more defense and more mm-hmm. rebounding more than anything right now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we know how much you can appreciate Villanova's defense, too. <laughs> and honestly, I feel like, unfortunately for Villanova, they were in this position not too long ago when Colin went down last year. And people forget that Arch went in there and he performed. He didn't turn the ball over in the so tournament. He rebounded well. Yeah, so did Brian. So it's not like these guys have never seen this stage before. It's just that they're going from no role to all of a sudden a very important role on the biggest stage. That is true um, that you bring up that point. I completely um, forgot about that. Last year, they after um, Colin went down, like nobody expected them to win a game in the tournament. Yeah. They end up going to the Sweet 16. So you're definitely right about that. Yeah, Seth, Seth Davis was positive Villanova couldn't win a game. I remember that. It made a big deal <laughs> that they were yeah. done. That they, oh, here comes Winthrop. And next thing you know, Villanova's in a Sweet 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was great. They always find a way. So specifically, and a, and a chance to beat Baylor too. We all yeah, yeah, that's we true. Were they were there. We they were there. They gave oh. they gave Baylor their, their their biggest run for their money last year. So specifically, Pat and I have debated this a lot about which side of the ball will be impacted the most in Moore's absence. So do you fall on a side there? Do you think offensively or defensively, where will Villanova be lacking the most because of Moore's absence? I mean, obviously, more he brings a tremendous aspect on offense to our team. You know, he's second leading scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, he can hit threes. He can drive to the basket. Also, he's part of that thing that we do, which is post up guards. You know, so I think we're going to be missing. That's one of the big things that we're going to miss against Kansas. We're going to miss him for that because Harris and uh, Remy Martin are uh, two small guards, and you know we need to take advantage of that. But I think Caleb Daniels can fill that void if they do decide to put either one of them on him. But also defensively, you know, uh, Justin Moore grabs a lot of rebounds as well. He's a great rebounder guard, and he blocks a lot of shots too. He's a great shot blocker for, for a guard. So we miss him on both ends. Yeah. Yeah, so, such a complete player. And, and Jay called him their most valuable player uh, earlier this yeah. week when, when trying to talk to him. So, so much goes into it with him. Uh, the last time we talked, we discussed a lot about, you know, Villanova struggling to close things out uh, late in games. That has not been the case so far in the NCAA tournament with, you know, leads being cut down to under five with three, four minutes to go. And, and Villanova always being able to counterpunch and come out on top. What do you think's changed the most? You see, you see our boys, they grew up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 they grew up. They, they, they learned a lot during the season. You know, we had a tough one to UCLA where we let that happen. We had a, another one against Purdue where we let that happen. And then as the season went on, you saw we start closing out those games. We closed out that Providence game, which I thought was great. Like, I, I, I love that game. And then Michigan, Michigan made a run. 
we answered with our own run, closed that game out. And then against Houston, Houston came back and got it down to, I think, about two. They just started, mm-hmm. like, attacking and everything. But you see, we kept our cool and continued to, to do what we did, and we, and we pulled that game out. I just think it's the maturity. Like, you could just see that these guys are mature, they're relaxed. And meanwhile, we're on Twitter going crazy because yes. the other team is going on a run, but they're, like, so relaxed. Yeah. Uh, it, it's incredible. These Mag- the Michigan game lasts about four hours longer than it needs to. And everyone's <laughs> just sitting in front of the TV. Can't believe their eyes because the game won't end. But they were games that Villanova lost earlier this season. So you take yeah. what you can get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Alan, Pat and I have given you a lot of credit about how spot on you are on Twitter and how much you have been all season long. And one of my favorite points that you made all year was recently when you said, it was uh, Branham and Liddell in the Ohio State game, and you brought up those usage points and how if Villanova can lock down those two guys, it's game over because that's it. It's just the two of them on Ohio State. Coincidentally, for better or for worse, they both went off, but nobody else could do anything, so Villanova was able to come away with the win. This Kansas team is different. They have a lot of different options. They have a ton of different scores. They're really gifted offensively and defensively. How much does it worry you? that this team is much more balanced than a lot of teams Villanova has played thus far? Um, Kansas is definitely a well-balanced team. And uh, I think they also thrive, like Houston, they thrive off of uh, fast break. You know, they turn the other team over and they get out and run. So if you ever watch them play, you see like Brown, he's always in fast break, getting to the lane. Um, Jalen Wilson always attacking the, the lane, slashing back cuts. And um, I think we have to definitely slow that down a little bit. Um, I don't think we're going to – like, you can't stop a good team like that. You just have to try – you just have to limit what they do. You know, they can't – like, they can't be in fast break all all game. You know, the offensive rebound, obviously, you know, they're they're big inside. So that's another thing that I worry about. That's what I'm saying about Antoine and Arch when they come in the game. Like, we need that more than anything. and they're not really a good free throw shooting team. Yep. But with, with that being said, we don't want to foul either, you know, because yeah. we're, we're not in a position to really get in foul trouble. So this game is going to be like real mental. And, you know, we have to be locked in for 40 minutes. You know, I feel like I said this last night on uh, the full 40. I feel like this is going to be like a personnel game where, you know, we have to really focus in on, areas of like what other guys do on the team like for instance McCormack like when he mm-hmm. gets the ball in the post like he always wants to go over his left shoulder like we have to make him go over his right shoulder and like prove that he can make a left hand hook or like make a left hand layup same thing with Wilson you ever watch his highlights like he's right he, he goes right oh, every yeah. single time so we got to make him go to the left hand make it hard on him don't make it easy on him. that's excellent are you preaching attitude by chance <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly Could it be attitude? Just, just, yeah. just a little bit. And if it comes down to mentality, as you say, too, you know, talking about the boys growing up that, you know, there's not really a team that I would trust more than the different assortment of guys that can go out there with the Daniels, with the Gillespie, with the Samuels to be able to close in, in situations like that. Um, I'm interested in your perspective on this. So we've all heard it many times this week. Uh, Caleb Daniels is going home, of course, for the final mm-hmm. four playing in New Orleans for you. Being from New York, when you would play around there, how would you limit distractions when you'd play at home? Um, I wouldn't say I had any dis- distractions. Yeah. Like, I, I just felt comfortable. Like, mm-hmm. you're home. 
families there like you're in a familiar city you're in a familiar place like you just get this vibe and it's just like a, it's like a good vibe I don't think I've ever played I had a bad game in like the garden or anything like that so I, I think I, I think with Caleb going home it's going to be it's going to be great and I mean has he played at home at all since he's been with Nova I don't not that I remember I don't I think so yeah. yeah I don't think they've been down yeah. there really yeah, so I, I think this is going to be great. Like his family, like our friends, everybody gets to see him play live. Yeah, it's a, a really, point. it's a really cool situation. That's so interesting because I know there's a, it's a balance between feeling comfortable, of course, knowing your surroundings, and then maybe thinking too much into it that that you're going home and trying to impress. But if it comes down to straight comfort, you know, obviously there's no place more comfortable than home. So uh, of course, we'll hope for Caleb to to really play into that. Yeah, he's been playing. He's been playing well lately too. He's been playing real good, especially defensively. He's been everywhere on defense. I've been so impressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such an underrated storyline, Pat. Too, and and also thinking about he's probably hasn't had any family or friends at any game they've played this season, at least at home. So be tough too. This is, yeah, this is his time to show off a little bit to those loved ones. I, I can appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. I'm trying to figure out where to go here. I have a really, I have a really pressing question and Pat and I talked about it a little bit, but I really want to hear your thoughts too. Antoine and Archie Diakono have been the big names because again, like you said, they've gone from, from nothing to having a really expanded role in this game. My thought though, that is that we cannot realistically expect Antoine to come off the bench and pour in 10 points. Instead, it should be more of a Dixon and Slater stepping up action and just try and use Antoine and Arch to spell some minutes for these guys that we know are going to be gassed. Is that what you're thinking? Or are you more so all in on Antoine and Arch and what they can tangibly provide? And that's a great point that you made just now because Kansas is definitely going to focus on Colin. And since Justin's out and Jermaine has been playing off the charts, those are going to be the two main guys they focus on. Mm -hmm. So Slater and Daniels get it going. That's going to open up stuff for Arch and Brian. So it it kind of works that way. And then later on in the game, things will open up for Colin and for Jermaine. But even though I think Jermaine, he'll have a favorable matchup throughout the whole game. So I think Jermaine might be able to get a little bit more going in Colin. I really expect Kansas to take Colin off the game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, I, I think we're both thinking that that's exactly where they're going to key in as well. And, and a place that we kind of spotlighted as somewhere that we think Nova might be able to, to really try to make some ground is through Eric Dixon. I would expect Eric with Justin Moore going out. I know Jay's been playing smaller lately. He kind of loses a little bit of that ability. Yes, of course, he can play with with Chris and Brian, but I think Eric's going to see some more minutes. McCormick, of course, a good big, but I I personally think Eric's got a chance to to have a really solid game and and be a little bit more involved offensively. I also think you're going to see him out on the three-point line to try and stretch McCormick and bring him away from the basket. What do you think about Easy E's ability to, to really impact a game on Saturday? So did you see when Creighton played Kansas and yep. Kaluma, Kaluma went off? Off McCormick. everywhere, everywhere. He was yeah. on something, yeah. Yes, so McCormick was guarding him, and, and pick, Creighton put him in pick-and-roll situations a whole lot. And when Alexander was coming off the pick-and-roll, he kind of like, I guess that was their, their um, what's the word I'm looking for? That was their game plan to kind of mm-hmm. like, soft trap Alexander and 
he was flipping it back to Kaluma. I think Kaluma hit like four threes. And then, yeah, and then that caused like the weak side to help so much. And then Hawkins was getting threes on the other side. So I think that's going to be, that's going to be great for E, especially if he can knock down that shot. And if he could like short roll right into the paint, that would be great as well for the kick out to the corner. I, I'm going to run a marathon after this recording. <laughs> I, I'm so pumped. Of course, they have to execute, but slowly we're uncovering a lot of ways that Villanova can win. Pat and I keep saying it. People are counting Villanova out. They're counting it. Villanova out. And that is the wrong thing to be doing, even without Justin Moore. Yeah, for sure. That's why I said that Kansas has all the pressure. Like, yeah, Coach, Coach Wright has been living in Bill Self's head rent-free for the past few years. <laughs> so, so, so you know Bill Self is, like, thinking about this. Coach Wright has beaten me so much. I, I have to get this win. Then everybody expects them to win. You know, the players, they see ESPN. They, I know they on Twitter. They see all the analysis, analysts saying, oh, Kansas is going to win. Like, the pressure is on them. Yeah. Like, the pressure is on them to win. I oh, like sure. that. It, it's a, considered a bad loss if they lose it, to Villanova, even though we it, wouldn't think that. But Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oof. Emma, I've got two more. I don't know about you. Yeah, I got one more. So you can, okay. you can do yours. And then we'll I say it, it, it's two quicker ones. But, you know, Alan, your, your former teammate, Mike Nardi, is, of course, a coach on this staff. This will be his third Final Four since he joined the staff, but his first as an assistant coach. What qualities in him did you see during his play, during your playing days do you think's kind of contributed to his coaching here? His toughness. If you ever watch the game, look at him. He's yeah, like always <laughs> intensity. He's always, yeah, he's intense. He's on the he's freaking standing up all the time. Like I text Mike and be like, Mike, you like baby Dan Hurley over there. Like, you need to relax. <laughs> Just don't get ejected like Dan. <laughs> yeah, no, but but Mike brings a whole toughness and Mike knows exactly like what coach wants because he was a player. So I know he's telling the guys that and, you know, he's helping them out with that mentality as well. So I, I think having Mike on that staff is, is, is a great plus. Yeah, yeah absolutely. that's a great question. Yeah, great answer, too. So we talked a lot about balance, but of course, like Villanova, Kansas will live and die by its stars. So my question to you is, who scares you more slash who do you think Villanova should put more game planning into, Ochai Abaji or Remy Martin? See, this is a good question because Remy Martin has been playing great lately. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. he's he's been playing great lately, and but you know Obaji, like, he's good, too. And you yeah. don't want to just you don't want to just completely forget about him because he can do everything mid range. He can shoot threes and he can get to the basket. He's super athletic. So, like I said, like this is is this this is going to come down to like a personnel game. You know, you got to know what these guys do, what their tendencies are, and just try to make it tough on them. You know, and um, Martin is six one, so. He might have some trouble shooting over our guys. He has he. I know he loves that little pull up. Yeah, and when they play against Cray and they had Hawkins on him, and Hawkins was leaving him wide open, and he yes. was hitting three. Yeah, but I don't think that'll be the case here. But if I had to say, I would definitely keep an eye out more on Remy because, like, he runs the offense. He gets those guys the ball. You know, Abaji's not going to come down, bring the ball down court, and create offense for himself. You know, Remy is going to create the offense and get it to him. Even though Abaji can do it, but Remy is more of that guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm nervous that we're still waiting to see the peak of Aji because he hasn't been that great this tournament. 
but you're right. Martin is the the quintessential point guard that you have mm. to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. But to your point, Al, no, watch out for, I think Colin's going to try and post him up as you talk about guards. Cause he is a smaller guard. Um, so I, I do think Villanova is going to try and facilitate some offense through there. If Martin is on him, they might, they might make some changes as well there. Um, but for sure. Yeah. One, one last question for you for me. And it's kind of just a, a perspective one. Cause I'd love to get a, you know, a former player's thoughts on this in 2006, you played BC in Florida in the Metrodome. Did it take you a bit of time to adjust to just, you know, a different type of stadium with, with depth perception and such, just being that Villanova, of course, can be playing in the Superdome here in New Orleans. You know, that's a that's a good question, because um, we used to think about that when we used to play at Syracuse. We played mm-hmm. in that big dome. Yeah. And uh, and I, I remember when we played uh, Syracuse, our last game, Jerry McManera's uh, senior night, they had the dome. It was sold out and they like added they made it bigger so you could fit more people in it. So, so cool. like I, I, I remember going in there and seeing it and it was like, damn, like this is this is huge. But I didn't have a problem shooting the ball that, that game. But <laughs> BC, if you remember the BC game, we all were kind of struggling except mm-hmm. for uh, except for Randy. But um, BC was a big team too, kind of like Kansas. They was a huge team. Um, but we just it was that was one of the most physical games I've ever played. Like it just wore us out so much. But I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure if the if the arena really played a factor in that in in, in the way we played. Yeah. But and, it, 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 oh no, go ahead. No, I was saying, it's just different. That's all. Because of course, you know, thinking of the pavilion yeah. and how how small, much smaller it is, and all that. Of course, going into these bigger stadiums, just wondering if it if it does kind of change just naturally how um, how things look for you out there on the floor. Yeah, it is definitely a big difference from playing in the pavilion or like. <laughs> Or, or um, the Wells Fargo is definitely different. Yeah. All right. That leaves the only question I, left. Yeah, you got to ask it. <laughs> Who you got on Saturday? Well, I, oh, I got Nova. And I, <laughs> I'm not just, I'm just not, being, I'm just not going to be biased, you know, like that's yeah. my team. But, but I just like, I, I just like how the situation is playing out right now. You know, uh, we're the underdog. We was the underdog against Houston. And I feel like with Justin getting hurt, you know, the guys are just more closer than than ever to to get this to get this win. Yeah, you got a Duke UNC pick. I want Duke to win, so we win and we can spoil. I would love to spoil. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Coach K's farewell tour. Like his yeah. last game, lost to Villanova. That's going down in history. I would love that. I frame that, and I tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Jay Wright would live rent-free in Coach K's mind for the entirety of his life if that was the case. <laughs> it, would probably, it would probably make him come out of retirement. Like, yeah, no, yeah true. <laughs> no, I love it. Finished business. Uh, Alan, this was great. Thank you so much for coming on. Again, we really appreciate you taking the time. Tell everyone where they can follow you on Twitter. Um, a Ray for three is my uh, username on Twitter. Just come follow me, especially if you're a Nova fan. Um, like to talk Villanova basketball. So if you like that, follow me on Twitter. And some Yankees, well, right? Yeah, if you like the Yankees. <laughs> but, you know, we, we all know the Yankees situation right now. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a more sober conversation for the beginning of the season. They, they, they get a little play on my, on my Twitter. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But no, thanks, Alan. And uh, let's do it on Saturday night. All right. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right. Well, oh, my God. To have Alan Ray on our podcast twice in one season <laughs> is 
just a pinch me moment. Thank you so much, Alan, for coming on. I hope everybody enjoyed it as much as we did. Thank you, Alan. We, we love talking with him. Of course, he gives such great perspective and uh, we know how excited he is as well for a little Final Four action on Saturday. Oh, yeah. This has been his season, man. I know. He's killing oh, it. He's in the spotlight. We love it. People are calling for him to be on TV. He should be. He should be. He 100%. Should. All right. So, Pat, I have some astounding news. Oh, no. I'm this scared. could potentially be our last mailbag. Oh, don't. No, 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 no. We, we got to do another one, right? Even after the season's we, over? We might have to. We might have I to. I can't just say goodbye to people like that without I know. Without it's notice. too soon. It's too soon. <laughs> Please don't make me think about that. I know. It was too much. <laughs> too many emotions on the line. No, season. no, no. But of course, excited to do this mailbag. Before we get to the mailbag, though, quick shout out to next year's Wildcat, Cam Whitmore, who went off in the McDonald's All-American Games with 19 points. My God, I'm excited for Cam Whitmore. I am so excited for him. Not sure he'll be showing off those moves at Villanova in year one, but it is <laughs> hey, maybe. certainly something to be excited about. So why do I say that? Because, of course, our first question comes in from Brendan Riley asking, can Cam Whitmore reclassify and join the team before Saturday? I think the rule should be bent for Villanova's As sake. do I. As do I. Yeah. I mean, once Justin Moore goes down, like, why not, right? It's an I easy mean- substitution, one for one. Cam, yeah. Cam Whitmore should be playing on uh, on Saturday. So yeah. um, I'm uh, <laughs> but no, very excited, of course, for Whitmore to come in here. Uh, I, I think he's got potential to play pretty early next season, but that is a discussion for another day. Yeah, I was just going to say the makeup of the team is going to be different next year. So we might be having very different conversations next year than we were having this year. Yeah, for, for sure. <laughs> uh, question coming in from Jack McCall. Who will have their one shining moment? This is a phenomenal question. It is. I love it. Of course, cannot wait for the one shining moment. A lot of really good picks generally for the whole for the whole um, tournament. Did you take this general or Villanova specific? I took it Villanova specific. Okay. I, I feel the same way. I, I really think this is going to be Dixon. Mm-hmm. I think if Dixon can have his way against David McCormick, Moore's loss hurts less He's able to put in more minutes, which eases the pressure on Antoine and Slater. I mean, Antoine and Arch, excuse me. And he's able to prove himself a little bit. He's the smaller guy, but I think he can do it offensively. So the coolest story would be Brian Antoine, of course. And and the the Athletic wrote a a great article on him, kind of his journey. If you haven't read that yet, highly recommend it. Um, But I also go with Eric Dixon here. I think so much of the conversation has really gone into the perimeter for Villanova and, and, you know, Colin Gillespie, Jermaine Samuels, Caleb Daniels. I I think Eric's got an opportunity to really make a huge impact on Saturday. And I'm not saying it has to be UConn part one where he poured in, what was it like 24 points against Adama Sonogo, but that was, if you remember, actually, that was also the game that Justin Moore got hurt in um, and and did not play uh, a stretch of, or did not play in that game. I, I can't remember exactly what it was. Yeah, he so, didn't play. Yeah, Villanova um, has won without Justin Moore. They, they have. Um, and, of course, just flashing back to that game, I, I think Dixon's going to play a, a big role. I, I have some faith that he's got a chance to do it. Yeah, I'm glad we're on the same page. Villanova can win in the paint, people. They can. They, can. they certainly can. Um, from David Letts, does practicing against top four teams improve you for Saturday night and get you battle-tested for it? <laughs> you take this one. Well, it's fun. So yes, about Villanova, I most certainly think that that grueling schedule at the beginning of the season, while it exhausted the team and Jay even talked about how it exhausted the team 
you know, to go up against some tough matchups and in, in, in a short time frame as well, it does help you get battle tested. Same with a very difficult conference. But the thing is, you can't just view this through a prism. Kansas is the same way. <laughs> Kansas is coming out of the Big 12, which I love the Big East. The Big East is, is great. The Big 12 is the best basketball conference in the country this year with, with all the teams that go out of it. So they had to play through a grueling stretch there. They played a nice out-of-conference game as well against Michigan State. They've done it too. So, and Kentucky as well, though they did lose that game. So they've done it too. And what it does, it just leads into what is such an amazing matchup on Saturday night. Yeah. The bottom line for me is that the schedule allowed us to see where we stacked up. And I think that's an advantage when it comes to March. Yep, certainly will. Reed asks who will be returning for next year. I'll be honest with you. This is a question I, I want to more answer a week from now. Um, yeah. But I can give you a little bit of a hint because it, it certainly was a big thing that I listened to uh, recently. So big Mike, Mike Frances is back and he's doing it with a podcast. And who was his first guest? Oh, but Jay Wright, uh, one of his Crazy, longtime right? friends. Yes. And what did Jay say during that conversation? He slipped that Caleb Daniels was going to have to become, you know, more of a scorer and really grow into that starting role. The important thing is what came next out of his mouth, something that we were planning on having him do next year. And ah! yep. And so while it does not guarantee, of course, that Caleb Daniels will be back, Caleb was a player that, you know, we were not sure if he would come back. And at least Jay saying that even subconsciously, I think you take that as a good sign. Yeah. Slater's another option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll be honest. I haven't even really put too much time into this question because I'm so focused for the weekend, but this will be something that we talk about a lot next week. <laughs> Ask that me again is, in a week. <laughs> that is for sure. Yeah. I, I like that question though. I, I, I like too. thinking about the future and what these, what these roles are going to be like for the existing players. For sure. We got, we got two more people here, six more questions. I love that we got two, two threes to, to finish this, this thing off. Got to go with our main man, Jerry. Jerry Quinn asking, does Jermaine have two more games left in the tank? He absolutely has two more games. Hell left yeah, in the tank. he does. And these are the most important two games left. So he <laughs> better bring it. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I think Jermaine is going to have some really good games. I don't see why you wouldn't think so after what we've seen so far in the tournament. Yeah. He's on another level right now. I believe he's only going to st- remember when Colin Gillespie went down a year ago, Jermaine elevated his game. Yeah. Tenfold really, especially in the tournament and down the stretch. Uh, I have a feeling you're going to try to see the, the same thing happening here with Justin Moore going down. Yeah. It's so nice that we don't have to have this entire conversation without Justin Moore and wonder what version of Jermaine Samuels we're going to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has been very consistent over the last couple games. Second question. Will, will early season Brandon Slater make a return and give us the scoring we need to win? Mm. This is a good question. Yeah, I I'd say do so. Not, <laughs> as I pause dramatically, I do not think early season Slater is realistic to say anymore that those 17 point outbursts, I don't think that's realistic. But, and I'll stand by this, I think. Slater and Dixon's performance will be more important than the minutes we see from Brian Antoine and Chris Archidiacono. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, their minutes are going to be important in the fact of just being able to spell things. But, and to your point too, it doesn't need to be the Slater from early where you're getting right. 17, 23, 16, 17. Those are some of the, the numbers and points he put up. But if you can get a Brandon Slater who the last couple of games, well, in this tournament has scored five points total with two goose yeah. eggs between them. If you can get a Slater contributing eight to 10 points, 
that's going to make a slider that drives the basket. Yeah. It's going to make a a huge difference with Justin Moore being out. So I'm not asking for a big thing from him, but I do think for Nova to win on Saturday, he does have to score and make a bit of an impact on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Strongly agree. Mm -hmm. And then last one from Jerry, how many threes does Nova need to hit to beat Kansas over under 12? Yeah. I'm glad you and I feel a little differently about this. (sighs) Over under 12, he said? Yeah. 12 threes. He's at more than 12, was his question. <sighs> I, I'm probably going to say over, and I think five of them will come from Colin. I'm going to say under. I think, I think if Nova hits nine, n- nine, to, nine or ten, they're still going to be in good shape. I, yeah. listen, you wonder they, who those threes will come yes, from. <laughs> if they go off from three and hit more than 12, which would be going off from three, I think yeah. you feel really good about mm-hmm. Villanova winning. But if they can be in that nine to 10 range, I think that looks pretty good. Yeah. I, but, I wonder, I'm really curious to see what the point distribution will be like and where they go. Oh, first. for sure. For sure. Yeah. There's so many question marks and I know we're ready to dive into it. And then we have three more questions coming in from Joey or one of the Wisconsin boys who first off, before I even go into it, shout out to these guys, Joey and Conrad, uh, who drove from Madison, Wisconsin down to San Antonio, Texas, to be able to go to the elite eight game. Um, dedication, baby. These, these guys are phenomenal. They're going to be in new Orleans. He's asking, are we buying the Remy Martin late season hype? Oh, I am. I am too. <laughs> I am. Yeah. It's tough to not, it's tough to not. It is. I think he's a stud. I think he's really showing it once he can get going, how dangerous he is. And it's going to be a huge defensive matchup for Villanova in this game. Second question, does Trey Patterson have a role this weekend or is he only coming in for foul trouble? We forgot to mention him. Jay yeah. Wright did mention him by name. You you did mention that he said that by name. Yeah, I would be shocked if he does. What do you think? I'm in the same boat. I just, yeah, I, I, I he's, can't. he's there as an option, but I would be very surprised that we know Jay loves to do what he's comfortable with for Jay to throw a freshman in there and not just a freshman. Cause I think Jordan Longino would have played, but a freshman that hasn't really gotten significant minutes at, at any point of this season, I would be very, very surprised if he did, he's going to ride this thing out with five and then Arch and Brian are going to play a little bit to make it seven. Yeah. Talk about trust. And then to throw tra- Trey Patterson in there would be uh a complete 180. <laughs> yes, seriously. And then if we pull it off on Saturday, over under on them closing out the bars set at 6 a.m. Oh, love it. I, uh, what, over 6 a.m. Is that the correct answer? I would say I'm not sure it actually fits in perfectly. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I'd go over to just for these guys. Uh, they might put a new meeting to shoot them up sleep in the streets. They, yeah. if Villanova wins on Saturday, they most likely will be sleeping in the streets of New Orleans. I was going to say, we'll probably be able to single handedly hear Joey and yes. Conrad through the broadcast. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But whew, that'll do it. That's our episode. Oh, oh, man, that was so awesome. Thank you again to Alan. Thank you to everyone who's listening, new and old listeners. We appreciate it so much. And we're just so excited for this run. So excited to be able to, to podcast and come on this year and see some success. We're, we're just psyched. Yeah. Th- thank you to everyone for listening. So as I said, that will do it for us here on the State of the Nova Nation podcast presented by VU Hoops. Be sure to check out VUHoops.com for all your content to get you ready for Saturday. Um, Nova Nation, if you're heading down to New Orleans, have a phenomenal time. Be sure to cheer the guys on. I'm sure everyone will have a great time down there. 
Also subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and follow us on Twitter at S O N N pod and special announcement that we've waited for the very end to put in. If Villanova does win this game on Saturday night and are playing in a national championship on Monday, Emma and I will drop a special episode on Monday morning to get you ready for everything you have to know. So an extra reason to root for Villanova, not that any of us needed another one, but thanks everyone for listening. Enjoy New Orleans. Let's do this on Saturday night and Nova Nation. That's a wrap.